Good evening, listeners, and you're very welcome along to Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 8th of September, 2023. Really, really busy show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about the County Hurling Championship games that are happening over the weekend. We're also going to be talking rugby with John Long. We're going to be looking ahead to the local soccer and international soccer with Barry Ryan. Of course, Barry Drake will be joining us for our Greyhound update. But with the uh, news of Seamus Callan's retirement during the week, I suppose there's only one place we can start. His own 45 metre line. Put in the pressure there on Jerry O'Grady. It breaks between Grady and Butler. Breaks on here for Seamus Callanan. Callanan coming in, looking for the goal! And he's crashed it into the back of the net! Wonderful goal by Seamus Callanan. What a time to score your first ever goal in Championship Hurling. It comes in the 27th minute. Really got behind this. Great catch again. Did Callanan go for a hat trick? Towards Seamus Callan doesn't get to it initially, but he does now. Joey Holden chases, but he's been chasing the shadow of Seamus Callan all through this game. A real tour of the force, one of the great performances of all time from a full forward in an All Ireland hurling final. He's contributed 13 points of Tipperary score. Look at the scoreline 228 to 220. Yeah, 220 is a great score, but 228. And look at the scores. Uh, Seamus Callan, nine points from playing out for Seamus Callan. Absolutely unstoppable today. He's had a brilliant, brilliant. Oxford don't have as many back as perhaps they could have. A temporary one goal. And Seamus Calvin is in around the back. Is this the number oh, four? It's a magnificent seven goals in seven successive games for Seamus Calvin. Wexford were caught up the field. Five out from the goals. Strikes this one up the feed now, and it's uh, broken inside, and it's gathered in there by Jason Ford. Jason Ford works this ball on again onto John McGrath. John McGrath, there the ball breaks free. Onto yes! yes, it's in the back of the net. Shami Callanan has scored a goal for Tipperary to put us three up here on the start of the second half in the All Ireland final. The ball broke free. Great play from Tip from down the field. It was worked all the way up. Three, four players, and the ball got to the right man at the right time. Jamie Callan just hung outside the square, waited, the ball broke out to let fly in it. Back of the net, James. What a start to the second half. Lights on here on Coffer with that man, Jamie Callan, you know, the big drumming in. It's, it's hard to put into words. It's just the best feeling ever. It means so much to us, you know. Ruth here, and Ruth, come on, Luke Laskale. Just so many good moments Seamus Callan provided us over the years. Just an unbelievable career and uh, yeah, it was uh, nice to put together just that little package. Uh, it could You could put together a package as long as this show, I'd say, of just Seamus Callan moments for Tipperary, but we condensed it down to, to that. But um, yesterday, of course, when the, or when the news broke during the week, I spoke to uh, Liam Sheedy about Seamus Callan and uh, let's hear some of that conversation now. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. Um, you know, he's had a, a stellar career in the blue and gold, um, you know, for a chap that, that I called into the panel originally in the winter of 2007. You know, the trajectory he went on, I guess the immediate impact he had in the group um, in terms of, you know, he was coming on in the National League in, in 2008 and always making impact. Um, 
you know, and obviously was was instrumental in in that National League victory and and the Munster Championship success in 2008. And there's no question, you know, I suppose he's gone on to do, you know, significant uh, things on the pitch, uh, but also I'd say significant things off the pitch. Paul, you know, he was a, you know, he's a guy that had, you know, great leadership skills, a really good way with leading on the, inside the white lines, but also outside. And you know, you'd have to. Get, my second time around, I think you'd have to acknowledge his wonderful contribution, um, his captaincy role. You know, score a goal in every cha- in every one of the eight championship games is is unique achievement. And uh, yeah, I, I'd have the height of praise for him. Uh, lovely person on and off the field, very driven, um, huge commitment, and always got his body in, in in great shape. So you know, tip of tip of last one of their greats uh, today. But you know, after 16 years service, I don't think Seamus owes. You know, anyone that was involved with Seamus, any of his co-players or, or anyone that supported him, I think he's given everything he, he had and he could for Tipperary. And I suppose, I, I, for me personally, it was a pleasure to get a chance to interact with him uh, on three occasions. Uh, once as the minor starting off and obviously then first time round in senior and second time round in senior. Yeah, and, and I suppose you've uniquely got to see that that uh, development firsthand when you were involved in 2010. He would have been uh, kind of not the prolific player he turned out to be, but when you came back in 2019, he was. Uh, you met him, the captain of the team that went on to win the All Ireland. So, what was the kind of the differences that you saw through his development uh, between those two since? I think he's never a maturity. I mean, you know, it's like everything. There's a there's a growth trajectory that was there. Uh, he always had talent. Uh, he always had massive belief in himself, uh, which came true in his in how he applied himself. But I think the way he applied himself and the level of energy he brought to his training, you know, really went up a notch over time. He's seen what it was required to really be at the top level, and I think that showed in his performances. And, and look, he had a really special arrangement with with uh, my coach and obviously his his manager across some of his term as well, Eamon O'Shea. And I think they really. They really connected on the pitch. Uh, they got to understand how Seamus could really look to get the best out of himself. And I think that relationship had a big impact on Seamus and his growth trajectory as well. Um, look, I think, you know, definitely I felt in 2016 that chap should have got a should have got the horror of the year. You know, he was he was instrumental in that All-Ireland success and that All-Ireland victory under Mike Ryan. Um, and, you know, when, when I came back in, you know, I, I just felt it was he was the guy that, you know, was ready to go on and take on the mantle of leadership and, and lead the group. And I think, you know, he was massive, massively respected within the, within the dressing room. And, you know, there's no doubt about it, you know, if you've got players in the room saying, you know, we need to do all we can to get Seamus up the steps here, I think it makes a difference because we certainly needed a pause with our backs to the wall above against Wexford. And, um, you know, there's no doubt about it, Dave. They died into Jersey that day and, and uh, got us into the final. And, and I think, you know, our, our captain was inspirational, uh, not just, uh, I suppose, on that day, but throughout the championship. Yeah, there's so many kind of memorable moments that comes to mind. Like I, he, he retires with 40 championship goals all from play, which is unheard of, really. And so many kind of memorable moments. We had those performances against uh, Galway in 2014 and 2015, the All-Ireland final in 2016. And then that 2019 campaign where he scored a goal in each of the the championship games en route to captain and tip to an All-Ireland. So it's just an an exceptional career. But is there any kind of maybe moments like that? That goal against Wexford maybe is is one that stands out that you mentioned there. But moments in general that kind of you look to when when Seamus Callanan comes to mind. Well, I I think you're right. You know, you could sit down and do a show on it, to be honest with you, Paul, because uh, there's so many of them. You know, I mean... Like that's an incredible statistic to go and score forty goals in championship. Um, you know, and like he was just he just had an eye for goal. Like he had a wonderful step, he had a wonderful vision and his striking uh was of the highest order, you know. Um 
And, you know, as I said, you know, you could, there's so many of them you could pick. But, I mean, you know, in that Munster final, when, you know, I suppose against Limerick, when, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of moments you could pick out. But we, he picked up the ball, you know, outside outside Limerick 45. And he went through and he he, jimmy, he, he shimmied as if he was going to strike it, didn't strike it. And, and you know, passed, you know, a really superb goalie in, in Nicky Quaid and, and buried in the corner of the net. So, you know, I think I think there's so many moments you could pick out. But, uh, you know, he's... His point scoring, his striking, uh, his general uh, vision and, and ability. Even, you know, we go back to the All Ireland final, you know, to, to get the, the goal that put the game to bed was when Shamey turned and unselfish Shamey uh, spotted that Bubbles was on the edge of the square and he banged, he dinked the ball across the Bubbles, one touch back of the net. Uh, and that was the day, that was the time, you know, where the game was over after Seamus had got the goal immediately after half time. So, you know, he had a great sense of awareness, and he was a he was a big team player. But equally, he knew if it was on, and he was the man to take it on, no better man to. I think he had a massive belief in himself and what he could do in the pitch. Uh, and we were fortunate enough, and personally, I was fortunate enough to see it uh, play out over those 16 years, but up close, uh, because every bit as much as he was doing it in in uh, in the live environment, the things he'd done on the training pitch were of of an equal high standard. Just incredible player. Yeah, an incredible player, as you said, and uh, he'll be uh, very much hard replaced, that's for sure. But uh, Liam Sheedy, thanks a million for joining us this morning. Thanks, Paul. And that was my conversation with uh, former Tipperary manager Liam Sheedy, just giving me some insight on Seamus Callan, what he was like, and uh, I suppose uh, just reflecting on an unbelievable intercounty career for Seamus Callan. So uh, we wish him all the best in his intercounty retirement, but of course we will still get to see him uh, for a little bit longer as long as Drummond Inch are still in the County Senior Hurling Championship this year, and I'm sure he'll stay um, campaigning with Drum for the next couple of years, no doubt. So let's look ahead to the games that are happening this weekend. We've got three games live on Tip FM. The doubleheader in Temple Tuhi on Sunday. That's Cashel King Cormac's, or sorry, it was it was meant to be in Cashel, but it's been moved to Temple Tuhi. It's Gurton Hooglengool against St Mary's at two o'clock, and then at four o'clock, Clonaldy Ross Moore against Mullinahone. Both those games live on Tip FM. With thanks to Tipperary ET. ETB and uh, you can visit fetchcourses.ie there and then on Saturday evening we're going to have Nina Rogue versus Thurda Sarsfields live on air that one is with thanks to Aurier Own Dylan in Nina that's at 5 o'clock on Saturday so three live games on Tip FM over the weekend we're going to preview all the games now uh, all the Hurling County Championship games over the weekend and I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by Enda Tracy Enda you're welcome to the show Thanks Paul so, Enda, before we kind of look ahead to uh, the, the weekend's games, um, not as many games to look to look forward to this weekend compared to uh, weeks gone by on the show, but um, the big news in Tipperary GA this week was, of course, Seamus Callan announcing his retirement. Um, I suppose for the last 15 years, he's been a, a key point of this Tipperary team, but I think it's only kind of coming to terms with people maybe now since that he's retired, the actual career he's had and how good he was, like, you know, 40 championship goals from play, um, four all stars, hurler of the year. Should have got two hurler of the years. Um, just an unbelievable career. Savage Paul, really, really, we took him for granted in this county for a long time. I think, look, the last few years haven't been his best. Um, his, the latter stages of his career were kind of coloured by COVID and injury, and just not been able to get to hundred percent. But when he was in his prime, he's he's one of the best forwards to ever play for Tip. Like his. Goal scoring record is, is insane, really. 40 championship goals all from play. Um, just a clinical forward. And he'll be, he'll be impossible to replace in the short term. Um, we <laughs> we could do it, another one of him coming down the track. But uh, Seamus Callanan's are rare. And, uh, you know, he'll be a big loss for Tip, uh, even in the state he was in this year or the last couple of years with injury. Yeah, he's just 
like the prototype of a of a player you could make. He's what six two or six three. He can move quick. He's power, speed, so much skill, intelligence in the game. Just uh, just literally a, a lab made prototype of a of an inside forward, and you, just an unbelievable career. But uh, we spoke to uh, to Liam Sheedy earlier on the show as well, and, and he spoke very highly of as you would expect. But um, we'll we'll move on for the games this weekend. Two senior preliminary quarterfinals. And the first one is probably the one that, that caught the eye when the draw was made. Nina Rogue versus Tartar Sarsfields in Bursley at 5 o'clock on Saturday evening. Uh, the game will be live here on Tip FM with thanks to Aurier on Dylan. Um, just looking at it before I come in, Tartars are big favourites for this game, but Nina have kind of foiled Tartars a few times in the last kind of six, seven years. So I don't think Nina will, will fear Tartars. And with the return of Jake Morris, they'll get a boost from that as well. So this is a really interesting battle here to see what's going to, going to happen here on Saturday evening. Yeah, it's a serious match. Um, I was kind of writing in the preview during the week that all form and anything like that goes out the window on these two teams meet. You've seen that over the last 10, 12 years. They've met fairly regularly in the county series and, you know, the games just take on a life of their own. There's there's no logic or reason to them in, in a lot of cases. Uh, they bring out the best in each other whenever they play. Like, a lot of people have Turles as favourites. I, I, like, yeah, I can understand why after the performance against Burris Lee but how good have Burris Lee been this year and I think Nina last day in fairness they lost them all in the home they're missing Jake missing Mikey Heffern and the discipline went out the window lost three players um, I know they'll be missing Tommy Heffernan for this weekend but when you're putting back Jake and Mikey Heffernan into the team they're your two main scorers they're your two leaders they're so important for the team um, you've seen that against Mullen home and they weren't on the pitch the, the leadership wasn't there to just settle the ship when things were going wrong um, they're going to be two huge players, and as far as I'm as far as I'm aware, they're going to be playing. Uh, whether they're 100 percent or not is another thing. But Turles, they they done well against Bursley. They had a fairly up and down group campaign, and um, but I don't know if Burris were firing in all cylinders this year, and it might be a bit of a false result. Really, Darius Stakelin hurled really well, but they haven't really been scoring too heavily other than Darius Stakelin sixth last day. And, and maybe need the likes of Aidan McCormack to stick up and step up to the mark and bring a bit more form than he's been showing. He's been in just a lot of freeze, really. So, look, this, this is a really tasty game for a preliminary quarter final. You could mark that down, maybe, if someone said they were going to play as a county final later in the year. So, you know, it's just going to be hard to call it. Yeah, and, and like Thurless mid champions and Nina North champions, and both of these teams went out at this stage last year. Clowney mm. beaten Thurless and uh, J.K. Bracken's beaten Nina. So, They'll be looking to to push on. It's uh, it's I said already. It's a really fascinating game. But um, the return of Jake Morris, he was unbelievable in the North Championship. Got that uh, was it a fractured cheekbone in the North Final and had to get a, a surgery surgery to to repair that. So that was probably what five six weeks ago at this stage. And um, like I'm sure fitness and all that isn't going to be an issue with Jake Morris. But do you just be um, wondering maybe in his own head like you know coming back from an injury like that and you'd, you'd have to be a little bit tentative surely in, in some way Yeah possibly I don't although to be fair to Jake he's made a tough stuff I, I don't think it'll phase him too much mm. I'm hearing that he's been training fairly solid for the last two or three weeks and you know if that was a knockout game against Mullinahan they might have chanced him but he's been, been maybe avoiding contact and training just to get the fitness back up and the eye back in with the ball um, but look, Jake, even firing a 50% is going to be a savage addition to any team. Um, it'll be interesting to see what sort of form he is in and how uh, Turles, um sh- shape up to try and curtail him. But um, 
himself when Jake's on form, he's nigh on unstoppable in club hurling. So that's that's what could be the difference. And you know, we're only we're only speculating on it. Like me, that didn't play well the last day, and Turles did. So that's probably why Turles are the favourites. But when Jake's on form, Mikey Heffernan's on form. Nina are a different beast. Yeah, and would you would you think this is a Ronan Maher on Jake kind of thing, or or what way will that work? And the other way around then is. Darius Stakelham has been so good for Thurlis this year, but then you have kind of like Sam O'Farrell pushed out to midfield for Nina. So lots of kind of fascinating matchups there. But for, for Jake, are you just putting a man on him or do you think Ronan Maher might might cover him or, or what way do you think the, this Thurlis team will set up? I think you put one of your cornerbacks on him and drop Ronan in front of him. I don't think uh, one-on-one Ronan and Jake. I think Jake will have too much pace for Ronan. It wouldn't suit the way Ronan hurls. It'd take away from the Thurlis team as a whole if you took Ronan out of the hole there. So... Yeah, try and get a lad onto him and tell him to stick in his pocket and try and break the ball and maybe Ron will be there to sweep up the breaks. But look, you're not going to stop Jake scoring. He's going to score at least two, three, four points. Um, and if you can hold him to that and curtail his influence a little bit, you know, you're doing a good job. But yeah, that's that's going to be the thing for Tarlis is just keeping him quiet. Yeah, really, really looking forward to that game. That's on Saturday evening, five o'clock here on Tip FM. Nina against Tarlis Sarsfields. Then double header, double header on Sunday has been moved out of Cashel. It's now taking place in Temple Two. It starts with Curtin Hooglengool against St Mary's at two o'clock. Then at four o'clock, the other senior preliminary quarter final is Clownty Ross Moore versus Mullinhone. Both those games live again on Tip FM two and four o'clock on Sunday. And our coverage of those games is with thanks to Tipperary ETB. Visit fetchcourses.ie. So, Clonalty, Rossmore against Mullinahone. Really interesting situation for Clonalty and the fact that they're in relegation playoffs as well. They have to obviously wait for that. So, really interesting to see how they're going. Like, how do you even prepare for, for this kind of situation? Preliminary quarter final with one eye on the kind of not the safety net, whatever the opposite of a safety net is of, of, a, of a relegation playoff. So, Mullinahone probably coming into this as underdogs will probably view it as kind of a, a nothing to lose kind of thing and, and will give it their all. But really um, intriguing to see how Clonality have prepared for this. Yeah, it's a very unusual situation to be in. And, and I don't envy Declan Ryan and the management team trying to motivate them and train in the last few weeks. It's it's kind of all over the place. You put all your attention into this game. And, you know, if there's lads carrying legals, you go all out to try and win this game. And, you know, you have three games to win the county final to avoid relegation. But you know, in the back of your mind that that relegation is there and it would be an absolute disaster to get relegated. Um, it's, it's a very unusual situation, but um, Knowlty, they, they might be a bit worried <laughs> the way they were playing um, uh, at the end of the group stages going into relegation. It probably wouldn't be, um, with, the, with the quality of teams that are in there, it might have been, might have been dicey enough. Maybe they'd be glad to have the distraction for now and maybe try and get a bit of form if they can... Um, if they can get a win here against Mullinahone and see where it takes them, um, they haven't been hurling well, haven't been scoring, haven't been scoring heavy at all. I think they're averaging just less than 18 points per game this year. I know they were in a tough group, but you know it's going to be nowhere near good enough to win a, a club match at this level. Um, I know they have Connor Hammersley back, um, and he's probably going to be a good push on for them, all right. But um, they're, they're going up against the Mullinahone team that will be full of confidence, and as you said, they're going to have nothing to lose. Um, their goal to start the year probably would have been, well, I'm just speculating this now, but probably would have been to avoid relegation. Um, but they got out of the group into a quarter final now. Um, everyone's fit and healthy as far as I know. I think Connor Whelan will be back. Um, so like they're in a good spot. Um, I know the bookies and everything have Clownty's strong enough favourites, but you know, Mullinahone with nothing to lose, 
untethered, they'll be they'll be a tough prospect. Yeah, and Connor Whelan being back would be would be huge for them. But the uh, that game is on at four o'clock. The game at two o'clock in the same place. Temple Two is Gartnahu against Saint Mary's. So I'm sure Gartnahu were uh, well tuned into the uh, Saint Mary's game um, over, the, over during the week against uh, Mine Temple Two. Saint Mary's really impressive in that game. Reduced to fourteen. Tyke Sheehan going off early in the uh, first half with a red card, so they're going to be without him. But Saint Mary's looked really impressive the other day. So I'm sure Gartnahu. Um, you know, we'll, we'll take a lot from from seeing St Mary's in person uh, on on Wednesday evening there. But this is going to be a, a really close battle, you'd have to imagine. Yeah, look, there's not much difference between the top four or five teams um, in the Premier Intermediate, and these are two of them. Um, Mary's are very good last end last day against mine. Now has to be tempered by the fact that mine were very poor. Um, even with Mary's down to fourteen, they had to run it again. Um, Mind really didn't put up much resistance. The game was over by half time essentially. Mm. But they, they have some really good players all over the park. St Mary's, the, if the Kennedys, obviously Rory Lai had a very good game the last day. Peter McGarry had a good first half. Um, you know they're they're a well balanced team, very fit, very organised. They know what they're doing. Everyone knows what their job is. Um, and they probably would have been disappointed that knowing that they'd beat mine and then they'd have to face into a preliminary against a really good team in Gurtnahu, but. That's the way it's transpired. But Gartnahu, for their own part, unlucky to be in this situation. You know, they, they, they could have easily, if a few things went right for them against Killinall and their final group game, things could have ch- could have been different for them and they might qualify out of the group um, automatically. But they're a good team with the likes of Keane Hayes there in top form and Damien Corbett. You know, they have good forwards of their own, so that's a, it's the makings of a really good game. Yeah, and finally, uh, just before I let you go, uh, Kilsheed and Kilcash against Keane Rinky in the intermediate uh, championship preliminary quarterfinal. This is half three in Clonmel on Sunday. Um, Kilsheelan going into this off the back of uh, playing Money Goal on Tuesday night and playing football on Sunday. So it's uh, it's three games in seven days for the Kilsheelan lads, but they looked really good against Money Goal and probably will be fancied here against Gaina Rinky. Yeah, you'd imagine they should come through this. Look, they, they were quite impressive actually, to be honest, against Money Goal, considering that they only had a was it 48 hours before the after the um, football game the previous weekend and you know they they were really good um created some really good goals um against the money goal team that are really fancy at intermediate level so again a few things could have went differently for them they they might have won that game and and they wouldn't be facing into this but that they're, they're the breaks um and Mark Yo, um played really well Sen Butler played really well and they only had Barry Kyo coming off the bench so. You'd imagine if he had to start, maybe that might have been the push on that they needed to get the win over Money Gall. But you know they're going to be playing a skinny rinky team that have been up and down all year, and you'd imagine they're just a level below the likes of Kilchiel in the intermediate level. Yeah, so really a fascinating weekend ahead, and uh, all the draws I believe are going to be made Sunday evening. So it's going to be a really exciting weekend in terms of uh, how the the landscape of the County Ireland Championships will be played out over the next coming weeks. But Enda Tracy, thanks for joining us on Across the Line. And it's always good to have Enda Tracy on there from the Tipperary Star previewing all the games happening this weekend in the County Hurling Championships. And uh, just a reminder to listeners at nine o'clock this evening, we'll have live coverage of the Tipperary Club Draw. So it gets underway in uh, Feelings Market House Bar in Rossgrave from nine o'clock this evening. We'll be live here on Tip FM. Uh, Stephen Gleeson and Tim Floyd will be covering that one here for us. So that's at nine o'clock this evening. So now it's time for our first ad break and we'll be back with rugby and soccer and more after these. 
And you're very welcome back to part two of Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 8th of September, 2023. Now we're going to shift our attention to rugby for now. And the local rugby season got back underway for the three Tipperary senior teams last weekend in the Munster Senior Challenge Cup, Cashel, Clonmel and Nina, of course. And uh, we had wins there for Cashel and Clonmel, or Cashel and uh, Nina. Clonmel were defeated last weekend. But this weekend, they're all back in action in the Munster Senior Challenge Cup again. We've Nina, Nina Ormond against Cork Con at half past 12 down in Cork and Temple Hill on Saturday. At quarter to one then, Clonmel are at home to Old Crescent and at one o'clock, Cashel are at home to Gary Owen. So plenty of games to look forward to over the weekend. And uh, just focus on uh, maybe Nina Ormond here this week. We've got John Long, the Director of Rugby from Nina Ormond on the line. John, you're welcome to the show. Thanks, Paul. Um, John, you, you've you got the season underway last weekend, of course, a, a good win against Shannon in the Munster Senior Challenge Cup, and uh, you're back uh, back at it again this weekend tomorrow uh, against Cork Con at half past twelve in Temple Hill. But I suppose in the Munster Senior Cup, but I suppose it's a, it's a new season, a really impressive season for Nina last year, getting to the final of this competition on a very good uh, league campaign. But I suppose it's about building on that now for going forward into this year. Yeah, we've had a we've had a busy summer um, preparing for the. The season coming, you know, uh, the boys have been back pre-season since since mid-July, so uh, there was a lot of work done on the scenes, behind the scenes that that uh, were displayed last Saturday with a, a really really good performance against Shannon. Um, great opening match for the for the new season. Uh, I suppose we were kind of drawn in a bit of a, a tough pool um, for the senior cup this year. They have a new format with four groups, and we were drawn with Shannon, Highfield, and Cork Con. Um, so kind of victims of our own success of last season. It was drawn from, from where uh, teams finished up in their leagues. So, um, yeah, would have got off a good start beating Shannon. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, kind of continuing on from where we finished last year. Yeah, and you've got, I see just uh, the, the team sheet for the game la- last week and talking to a couple of lads around the town that there's a there's a few new faces in, in this squad this year. Yeah, so we, we, we recruited three new bodies over the summer. We um, New Zealand out half joined the team and um, two guys from from Limerick came on to back three players, so um, not massive, not massive new numbers, just uh, kind of filled in positions. We needed we needed a bit of bulking. Yeah, and no, always always important, I suppose, to just continue to evolve the squad because as good as last year was, I suppose you want to push forward and and go that extra step this year. Yeah, it's, it's about building every year and, and and just create more depth where you feel you need it. And they were the kind of areas we felt we needed more cover in and. Uh, um, it's all for the good of the team. Yeah, and just looking at the the fixtures over the weekend, uh, your game tomorrow down in Cork gets underway at half past twelve. So I suppose all, all the fixtures are kind of uh, positioned in around the Ireland game tomorrow at half past yeah. two. The the Rugby World Cup getting underway this evening, uh, France against New Zealand. But just in general, the, the Rugby World Cup Ireland uh, in a in a difficult side of the draw anyway, but in the group with Scotland and, and South Africa first up against Romania tomorrow and, and then Tonga. So your overall kind of well, how how do you feel about going into this Rugby World Cup from from an Ireland point of view? Yeah, it's very exciting I suppose, you know, it's it's we've never been in a better position. There's huge expectation on the team and uh you know that brings its own pressures but um I think everybody everybody's the same. They're all thinking of the, the history of it and the fact that we've never uh, progress past quarterfinals, but I think this year could be could be huge for Irish rugby. You know, um, they're definitely even with a shout, and I think uh, there's a target on their back. Like every team, no team wants to play Ireland. You know, so um, yeah, it's exciting to see what's going to unfold. 
Yeah, and uh, I suppose the kind of the consensus is, you know, if they were to get out to a quarter final, they'd likely be playing France or New Zealand. So all eyes will be on that fixture tonight. But Ireland have a difficult group to to, to navigate first with that South Africa game in just two weeks from now. But in a, in around a month from now, it's going to be a especially exciting game for anyone around the Nina area and Tipperary in general. With um, Ireland against Scotland, it's a game that I, I'll actually be going to myself. So I'm really looking forward to it. But Ben Healy, of course, uh, a part of the the Scottish lineout. Um, or lineup, so really, really exciting and uh, exciting to have someone like Ben playing on the, at this level. It's huge, yeah, he deserves every bit of it. For, um, ben has worked tirelessly for years to get where he is, and and uh, he deserves to be an international rugby player. And um, it's just unfortunate it's not Ireland he'll be talking out for, but um, he, the Nino Armand will be behind him as long as he doesn't score a drop goal to beat Ireland we, we, we won't hold that against him <laughs> that's kind of the fear isn't it like that's the it's kind of like you can almost imagine it there in the Stade de France that it comes down to a Ben Healy conversion or a penalty or something to, to beat Ireland and it would be the most kind of bittersweet feeling yeah, for all of us around very, this area very bittersweet very bittersweet yeah yeah so really really looking forward to the to the campaign in general and just that game tonight New Zealand uh, New Zealand France is a great way to start things off yeah it'll be a huge match I'm really looking forward to it um, I wouldn't like to be playing New Zealand after uh, beating South Africa a few weeks ago. I think they'll be coming out fairly, um, fairly angry. But uh, no, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good game, and it's a very hard one to call. Yeah, no, really looking forward to to all the rugby ahead, both locally and uh, on the international scene. But John Long from Neen Norman, best of luck over the weekend, and we'll be chatting to you throughout the season. Cheers, Paul. That was Neen Ormond, Director of Rugby, John Long there, joining us to look ahead to uh, the local and international rugby games happening this weekend. We're going to take another quick ad break. We're going to be talking local soccer and greyhound racing and more after these. And you're very welcome back to the third and final part of Across the Line here on Tip FM. Myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 8th of September, 2023. Now, before we talk to Barry Ryan about the weekend soccer, just some other sports and other fixtures to run down through. Of course, today we had some big news. Uh, Clonmel rower Dara Lynch and his teammate Philip Doyle rover at the World Rowing Championships over in Belgrade. And uh, they came second in their semi-final in the men's double skulls this morning. And that means they qualify for the uh, Paris Olympics next year. So huge congratulations there to Clonmel's Dara Lynch. He's going to be an Olympian next year, so fair play to him. And they're also in the World Final on Sunday. It's just about 20 to 1 Irish time uh, in the afternoon on Sunday. So uh, very best of luck to, uh, to Clonmel's Dara Lynch, as I said and his teammate Philip Doyle over at the World Rowing Championships. Also, Darts Dylan Slevin was in action today in the German Darts Open. He bet uh, Jeffrey de Graaf 6-4 uh, with a brilliant 1-4-2 finish to win the game for Dylan Slevin. And that is a, a, a proper uh, a tournament that's on a stage in front of a crowd, so brilliant experience for the, the 20-year-old Bursa Kane man. He's uh, back in action on Saturday. He's at half two. He's up against world number nine, Danny Knoppert, in the round, round two. So the best of luck to Dylan Slevin there. And uh, we also have lots of uh, ladies football over the weekend. We've got four games on Sunday. It's uh, Galti Rovers against Aherlow and Bansha at three o'clock. Quarter past six in Cloheen, it's Brian Bruce against Clonmel Commercials. Templemore host Mall Rovers at 20 past six on Sunday. And then the final game of the day throws in at half past six on Sunday. Feder are at home to Thurlis Sarsfields. 
Also lots of camogie this weekend. As I said, it's a very busy weekend of sport. Uh, one game takes place on Saturday in the County Senior Camogie Championship. Uh, Burgess Duhara are at home uh, against Thurless Sarsfields. A two o'clock start there tomorrow uh, in Kilcoman for that one. And of course, we also have uh, plenty of camogie on Sunday. On Sunday, that's a very busy day. There's an 11.30 a.m. start in Nina. Nina hosts uh, County Champions Drum and Inch at 12 o'clock then. It's uh, Clownty Ross Moore against Bursley in Bursley. Then at half past six on Sunday evening, Cashel are at home to Nakavilla Dunnesky Kickums. Intermediate Championship Camogie action on Sunday. Borlahan host Newport Banlan Hinch at 12 o'clock. Uh, at 2 p.m. on Clock Jordan, it's Killer One against uh, Shannon Rovers. And then the final game of the day is at 3 p.m. where Tumivara looking to make it two wins from two, take on their neighbours' money goal. So really, really busy weekend across all sports. If I had more than an hour, I'd be able to go further in depth into more, but we only have the hour, so we're going to have to push on. And we're going to be talking local soccer, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by Barry Ryan. Barry, you're very welcome to the show. Hi, Paul. Uh, Barry, we have four games this weekend in the Clonmel Credit Union Premier Division, all on, all on Sunday. Um, a couple of nice fixtures here. Of course, the big one will start with St. Michael's against Clonmel Town. Um, your, your own Clan Melltown started the year well two two wins from two St. Michael's had that draw with Peak Villa um, along with their opening round win so this is a chance for Clan Melltown, but going to Cook Park as we know very well is never easy Yeah look this is the biggest fixture in the TSDL calendar um, El Clasico as it's known in Tipperary 16 time league champions Clan Melltown against 16 times league champions St. Michael's um, so it really is the big clash really interesting in terms of these games last season um, and the season before when St. Michael's completed the six in a row two seasons ago in terms of we would always look at the league of the four games between Town, St. Michael's and Peak Villa and in Chalky Walsh's last season they took 10 points out of 12 in those four games and completed six, in, um, six leagues in a row and last year they, come, they only took two points from those 12 games so you know you could really look at those games and say look that was an area they massively dropped off and then they started this season in Cook Park by dropping two points straight away to Peak Villa albeit Peak Villa were coming as champions and that point may prove as the season goes on um, to be an important point but I think it leaves no room whatsoever for error, for no margin whatsoever this weekend and St. Michael's have got to win this game at home um, Town, I think would be absolutely delighted with a point in Coop Park so it really does make it interesting but St. Michael's have got to go and win the game yeah, and uh, um, Michael's what, last time I was talking to you properly, of course, we ha- we we spoke an extra time, but only for a very short period there a couple of weeks ago. But um, you were mentioned kind of the, the new signings that St. Michael's had brought in. How have they gelled? How have they looked so far this year? Yeah, look, based on the game against Peak Villa, which was the acid test for those players. Now, a lot of players still missing, but based on that game, uh, Killian Coonan looks a standout in the middle of the field. For years, when St. Michael's are particularly strong with the very best of that of that era where they where they started off in six in a row and won the two FBI Junior Cup. Cooper Fahey in the beginning of that was a player in midfield for St. Michael's that really suited the way they played. They gave them something to allow other players like Jimmy Carr and people to go forward and wreak havoc. And Killian Coonan reminds me of Cooper Fahey. He's that midfield enforcer. He's so physical. He's so aggressive. Um, he does the work of two people in there. And I've been really, really impressed with him. Um, he seems to have settled in. Keen Fadden seems to have settled in well into the centre of defence as well. Uh, Reese O'Regan is now home from America. I believe he'll make his debut this weekend. Um, that would be fascinating against Clamatown, who was their player of the year last season. Um, so that really adds a little bit of spice to the game as well. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and uh, uh, just moving on to some of the other games over the, over the weekend, Care Park at home to Peak Villa on Sunday at 12 o'clock. Worth mentioning that St. Michael's Clamell Town is on in Cook Park at 3 o'clock on Sunday. But at 12 o'clock in Care Park, it's Care Park against Peak Villa. And uh, just hearing you talk with, with Ronan as well on Monday night, this Care team is a, is an interesting team considering they've, they've just come up from uh, come up from um, the second division last year. So they've got two wins from two here and you know, they're at home to Peak Villa. Like, if they could get a result here, it would be massive for them. Yeah, look, I suppose the one thing, they'll be delighted to be coming into this with six points because they've had two really difficult games uh, where they just got over the line by one goal against Banja and Tipperary Town. Now, those two results are great in terms of Care Park of getting six points and, you know, pushing them towards fighting at the top half of the table. But I would have expected them, if they were going to be any bit of a threat to the Peak Villas, Clamel Town, St. Michael's, maybe to be a little bit more convincing in those games. And I think this Sunday, they might run into a bit of a juggernaut in Peak Villa in terms of, like, the, the pace and fitness and power of Peak Villa and Coop Park was very, very impressive on the opening night. Um, and Care Park is a beautiful venue to play football. It's a big open pitch. Uh, it suit Peak Villa down to the ground. So this will be an asset test for Care. And a lot of these Care players that have come in are such good senior pros like Christopher Higgins, John O'Brien um, and so on. But Peak Villa are so young. They're so um, energetic. Uh, a team full of legs. So it really is a bit of a clash of styles and it'll be interesting to see if Kerr can set up because Peak Villa are going to have the ball for for the majority of that game. So I think it's going to be very difficult for Kerr but it'll be a really, really big test for them. Yeah, we've a, a big game then at the same time. Three game, three kickoffs at 12 o'clock on Sunday. One of them is Bancha Celtic at home to Two Mile Boris. Bancha uh, coming in here three losses from their, for, from their opening three games. So uh, in terms of the overall landscape of, of this season, they're going to need to get something going here fairly quick. Yeah, look, it's rinse and repeat. This is what it was last season as well. Banshee looked destined for relegation, losing games um, every week early in the season. Then GEA finished, all of a sudden they got some bodies back and they finished like a train um, and probably cost St. Michael's the league by getting a result against them at the end of the season. So I think you're going to see a little bit of the same. They're very much Jekyll and Hyde. It'll depend on GEA who's available. If Banshee have players available, they're strong. They give Care Park a really, really difficult game. Um, but then, you know, if, if they are missing players, Boris have the, the, the players and the ability to capitalise with. They have a lot of firepower with guys like Daniel Rafter um, up top, Jamie Lee in the wing and stuff like that. So Boris will do have players to go to Bancha and hurt them. So it'll be very much a case of, of who and what Bancha have. And then the, the final game is uh, a Clonmel Derby, Clonmel Celtic against Wilderness Rovers. That's uh, at 12 o'clock, Clonmel Celtic playing at home there in that one. So um, that kind of rounds up the, the TSDL games over the, over the weekend uh, in terms of the pre- Premier Division. Just a quick word on Ireland, of course. Uh, we're beaten last night by, by France 2-0. And uh, there's the kind of usual discussions after Ireland lose um, about kind of the manager and everything and the, the team in general. But they have a, a chance on Sunday that if they were to beat the Netherlands a quarter to eight on, on Sunday evening, they have a, they actually have a chance in this group. So it's a big ask, but there is still that possibility there. What have you kind of made of the, the Ireland team in general in the, in the last while, but in the last kind of uh, this campaign, shall we say? Yeah, look, I suppose Stephen Kenny has certainly been unlucky in terms of injuries, even the latest one with Evan Ferguson on the back of a hat-trick in the Premier League game, you know, against Newcastle, you were thinking, look, that's perfect timing for the double-header with France and the Netherlands. But again, look, he's fallen victim to injury. And even just to put a bit of positivity on last night, you know, there's some great defensive displays and France put four past the Netherlands in Paris. You know, and Ireland got out of there with a 2-0, um, albeit maybe a little bit fortunate. France were very comfortable in the game. But, you know, you can certainly see the players are still playing for Stephen Kenny. He's introduced so many young young players 
especially over Sela from Wexford last night coming in for Mine Rangers. Another young player who came on and, and did pretty well when he came in. Um, Ogbene was man of the match, did really well. You know, there's a lot of guys with less than 10, 15 caps that have come into this squad and are doing really well. I, I feel with Stephen Kenny that either he'll reap the rewards of this squad and all these young players that have been brought through in another campaign, or else if, unfortunately, the results don't pick up and he loses his job, I think the next manager will massively reap the rewards that Kenny has done because to bring guys into the international fold, um, and a lot of those players look like, Ogbené looked like a seasoned international last night with very few caps. So, you know, there's a lot of good work going on, but look, it's a results business, and you feel he needs one of those big, big results against Holland on Sunday. The previous Irish managers have got in those big games. Um, you know, we'll never forget Roy Keane's tackle on Overmars and McAteer's goal. And so maybe the spirit of that game against Holland, you know, might be, maybe it's what Stephen Kenny needs on Sunday. Yeah, 100%. Definitely a team needing a big uh, a big win there is Ireland. So that's on, on Sunday evening. So lots of soccer happening on Sunday, both locally and on uh, the international scene. But Barry Ryan, always good to chat soccer with you. And we'll talk to you again. Thanks for joining us on Across the Line. Thanks very much, Paul. And always great to have Barry Ryan there on talking all things local soccer and a bit on the Republic of Ireland team ahead of their big game on Sunday evening. Now from one Barry to another, it's time to talk dogs with Barry Drake. Tip FM's Greyhound Update in association with Greyhound Racing Ireland because this runs deep. There's only one place to start in this weekend's uh, Greyhound segment and that is to look back on what was another uh, wonderful occasion in Shelburne Park last Saturday night. Massive crowds once again to turned out to enjoy. Um, you know, a fantastic spectacle. 13 uh, fantastic races on the night. There are 12 races, I should say. Uh, but the racing really was top class from start to finish. And, you know, the coverage on uh, Racing Post Greyhound TV and, of course, uh, Virgin Media 3 um, certainly went down, went down very well. Um, as well, it got great coverage, of course, um, throughout the event, and uh, we had a very worthy winner in the end. The star of the competition won the decider um, last Saturday night, of course, the final of the 2023 Boyle Sports Irish Greyhound Derby. 125,000 euros to the winner, and it was Tipperary success once again. Uh, trained in killing all uh, by Jennifer O'Donnell who completed uh, magical back-to-back wins uh, in the Irish Greyhound Derby following on from Born Warrior success last year. This year it was the turn of the other Kobe who's owned jointly uh, by Brian Clare and David Lestrange. And, um, you know, as I said, the other Kobe really was the star of the competition. Four wins uh, in six rounds of the event, winning the last three, uh, 29-15 winning time in the uh, quarterfinal and the fastest ever uh, performance in a derby decider. Uh, went bombing out from trap number two and making every yard of the running to win in 29-11 at odds of 3-1 to one, of course getting the better of the fast fast, fast finishing Buckles Crystal who was second uh, for Golden Base Trainer uh, Graham Holland with the Kappa White uh, Pat Buckley trained Ben's Teddy back in third so a 1-2-3 for Tipperary in the final with the other Kobe as I said, uh, winning for killing all trainer Jennifer O'Donnell. There was other fantastic races as well on the night. Uh, Trinity Junior won the Boyle Sports Irish Greyhound Derby consolation for Moonkind trainer Peter Cronin at odds of seven to four, winning in a time of twenty nine forty two. Uh, one of the races of the night came in the closing race when Skagaletti 
uh, one for North Tipperary trainer uh, Patrick Guilfoyle well backed on the night down as short as 6-5 to favourite winning the um, customise your bet with Boyle Sports bet builder open 5-7-5 there in a time of 30-85 getting the better of Balanabula aid uh, who was another well fancied runner back in second so it really was Another fantastic um, advertisement for our great sport ground rest in Shelburne Park last Saturday night. Well done uh, to all involved. Elsewhere in the um, world of uh, greyhound racing, uh, turning our attentions to tonight's racing programme at uh, Clonmel. Uh, just a little reminder if you are heading along due to the um, warm weather racing will get underway at the later start time of 9 o'clock tonight um, in Clonmel. So it's a 9 o'clock start there. Um, some good action to look forward to in Clonmel. Um, with you know a couple of really um, exciting young greyhounds on show as well so I'm sure it will uh, produce um, some big displays just one to keep an eye on um, later on in the card as I said good youngsters on show in the first couple of races but one um, that certainly caught my eye um, in a hot contest on debut was two things um, Dara Ryan and Cashel owns this greyhound it was third well beaten by a very uh, fast greyhound on debut but I think the uh, drop into A4 company here should prove uh, key and I can see this January puppy getting the job done switching our attentions to Turles uh, tomorrow night there uh, down to race at 7.35 and the um, split the pot at Turles track A3 5.25 yard final um, is going to be a fantastic contest and um, it's hard to oppose trap number six Rat Fala Hero this one for trainer uh, David Flanagan a stunning performance to win in 29-26 last time it was all one way traffic at the head of affairs and we can expect more of the same there in Turlet's seventh race um, on Saturday night back to the local action Clonmel uh, on um, uh, Sunday night it's a 7.30 start you have the John White Memorial A2 A3 550 uh, Perpetual Cup um, that produced some good racing in the opening round. John Kennedy Jr. can take heat number two, race number two with Amazing Quest, who can follow up and uh, land the spoils. And also in race number three, I think Callaway and Antica uh, can win uh, for um, trainer there, uh, Owen McKenna in New Inn. That was impressive on debut. I think there's more to come, and I think it can make uh, two wins from as many starts. Finally, below in Curraheen Park in Cork on Saturday night, the 6,000 Joris to the winner final of the Casco A1 Derby can go the way of Jack Tavern Bolt who's unbeaten so far in the event uh, for trainer Graham Holland and owners the Pillar Syndicate four fantastic displays in recent weeks uh, Jack Tavern Bolt can make it five wins from as many starts there um, on Saturday night so Jack Tavern Bolt very much the one to beat in the final of the A1 Casco Derby at Curraheen Park on Saturday night so it's another busy weekend of Greyhound Race in action and we'll have plenty more to talk about next week and my many thanks to Barry Drake there for his weekly Greyhound update. And also, as he mentioned there, fair play to Jennifer O'Donnell, who trained the other Colby to the Irish Greyhound Derby success last weekend. So fair play. That's two in a row now for Jennifer O'Donnell. Really, really impressive stuff there. So that's just about all we got time for for this week's edition of the show. If you're just tuning in, it will be on the Tip FM SoundCloud from just after seven o'clock. And you'll see the links on the Tip FM social media uh, web or social media channels throughout the day. And uh, also a reminder to listeners, the uh, Tipperary Club Draw is on Tip FM Live at nine o'clock this evening, Stephen Gleeson and Tim Floyd are going to be in Feelings in Ross Gray there for that one. And also we have three live games this weekend. Nina against Thurlis Sarsfields. 
five o'clock on Saturday. That's with thanks to Aurier Own Dylan and Nina. Then the double header in Temple Tui on Sunday. First up at two o'clock, Girton Hoo against St. Mary's. And after that at four o'clock, it's Cloudy Ross Moore versus Mullinahone. Both of those games live on Tip FM with thanks to Tipperary ETB and visit fetchcourses.ie. So really busy weekend, really looking forward to all the weekend action. And uh, as I said, show will be up on the Tip FM SoundCloud. But that's pretty much all we got time for. I'll be on commentary duty for the games on Saturday and Sunday. So until then, have a good evening and we will talk to you on next week's edition of Across the Line. Bye for now.